Today is Mother's Day and I hope the mothers here this afternoon have been well celebrated. Uh, if you have adult children that live elsewhere, I hope at the very least you've received a text message from them, something, some sort of recognition today. If you haven't called your mother, there is still time, still time, <laughs> make sure you do when you get home, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. And uh, if your mother is no longer with you, then I hope today you'll be able to focus on some happy memories and, and be thankful. I'm going to bring a sermon in keeping with the day. Uh, we're not obligated to mark this day in our worship service. It's not a religious holiday and we don't even have to keep those. But I do think that marking uh, these days can be beneficial for our walk with the Lord. Last year we had uh, Mother's Day during the COVID lockdown and so you all sat in your lounge rooms and watched the sermon on YouTube, or at least I hope you did. Uh, maybe you skipped church that day, I, I don't know. But uh, if you remember, the sermon focused on the experience of Hannah and the title was Mothers and Bitterness. That sermon is still on our church's YouTube channel if you're interested in looking for it. On this Mother's Day, we're going to look at another mother who appears on the pages of the Old Testament, and her name is Rebecca. And so if you haven't already, uh, please turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. We'll read some verses in just a moment. We're going to look at a number of different passages uh, in Genesis 24, 25, 26 and 27. Rebekah was the wife of one of the patriarchs. Uh, these were the fathers of the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. These three are mentioned together nearly 30 times in the Bible, uh, sometimes in reference to the land of Israel, the land which God gave to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and sometimes in reference to the Lord. Uh, Yahweh is called the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Rebecca was the wife of Isaac, and we don't have time this morning to look at the story of how she came to be his wife. We're going to dive into the narrative at the point where she leaves her family in Aram, called Mesopotamia in our King James Version, to travel to the land of Canaan with Abraham's servant to marry Abraham's son, a man she had never met before. If your Bible is open, look please at Genesis chapter 24, beginning reading at verse 55. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel, that is Rebekah, abide with us a few days, at the least ten, after that she shall go. And he, that is Abraham's servant, said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, the high roy, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. 
And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so Rebekah's life with Isaac began. And before we delve into it, let's pray and ask for God's help as we study his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Old Testament. Uh, we thank you for uh, the, the people that uh, you have left us accounts of there. We know that you have recorded these things for our learning. Uh, you have recorded these things to point us to your son. I just pray now that as we take some time to consider the life of Rebecca, that you would encourage us, uh, you would instruct us, you would help us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's far too much in the narrative of Rebecca's life to consider in one sermon, and so I'm going to hit some of the highlights and some of the lowlights, and even then it won't be in a lot of detail. Now, we're going to consider three blessings that Rebecca experienced, two mistakes that she made, and three struggles that she had. Three blessings, two mistakes, three struggles. Now, I'm certain there are things in her story that you will easily identify with especially the mothers. Uh, of all the women in the Bible, I wonder if Rebecca is the one that mothers today can most relate to. We'll see. First of all, three blessings. In our reading, we saw the beginning of the first of these blessings, and that was a loving marriage. A loving marriage. In verse 67 of chapter 24, it says, And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And we don't know how long Isaac and Rebekah spent together before getting married, but it doesn't seem like to have been very long at all. Uh, the text reads as though she arrived and they got married. Even though this was an arranged marriage, these two people loved each other. Uh, the evidence suggests that they had a wonderful marriage. Isaac's father, Abraham, practiced polygamy. Uh, he took a second wife, Sarah's servant, Hagar. Both of Isaac's sons practiced polygamy. For Jacob, it was unintentional at first. He thought he was marrying Rachel, but instead he was married to Leah. But then afterwards, Jacob had children by another two Women. So effectively, Jacob had four wives. Uh, Esau had two wives and possibly as many as four. But as far as we know, Isaac was only ever married to Rebekah. I wonder if that says something about his love for her and the quality of their relationship. Uh, he didn't want to be with anyone else. And then there is this interesting verse in chapter 26. If you'd like to turn over there for a moment... Chapter 26, Isaac had travelled to a place called Gerar and because Rebekah was a beautiful woman, he was worried that the men of that place might kill him and take her for themselves. So he, like his father had done, told people that Rebekah was his 
sister. Now one day the king of that place, a man named Abimelech, happened to see Isaac and Rebekah together. Now by this time they had been married for at least 30 years, probably closer to 40 or even 50 years, and this is what the king saw. Chapter 26 verse 8, And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah his wife. Verse 9, And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife. Now the Hebrew word translated sporting literally means to laugh or to play. Uh, it may mean that Isaac and Rebekah were laughing together, uh, having fun together, teasing each other or something like that. Uh, the word may also be a euphemism for more intimate relations. Isaac was caressing her or they were kissing or they were hugging or whatever else. Whatever this was, it was obvious to Abimelech that they weren't brother and sister. And I think this is evidence of a relationship characterised by affection. They loved each other. They were fond of each other. They were still behaving this way with each other long into their marriage. Now Isaac wasn't perfect by any stretch. The narrative reveals flaws in his character. It records unwise choices that he made. But even so, Rebecca was greatly blessed to have a husband who loved her. She was blessed to be in a loving marriage. And mothers, mothers, listen up. Uh, he may not be perfect. <laughs> he may do things that annoy and frustrate you. He may not be as good looking as he once was. But if you have a husband who loves you, who cares for you, who helps you, who has affection for you years into your marriage, what a blessing. What a gift from the Lord. Now this is a whole other subject, but how many mothers today don't have a husband or are in a relationship with a man who's not very good to them? This is one of the biggest problems in our society today. Uh, if you've got a loyal, loving husband who cares for you and your children, Praise God. The first blessing was a loving marriage. The second was children. In chapter 25, we have the account of the birth of Rebekah's twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Now, I won't spend too long on this point because I think we understand the joy that children bring, uh, and not just to their parents, but to the whole extended family and to the community. Uh, our hearts are warmed by seeing and interacting with the little ones here at church, even if we're not their parents. Uh, how good is it to have all of these kids running around? It's fantastic. Rebecca experienced the blessings of being a mother, of holding her offspring in her arms and nurturing them and watching them grow. I'm sure the mothers here this afternoon understand what a blessing this is. Oh, it doesn't always feel like a blessing, for sure. There are some really hard parts to raising children, some very long and difficult days and nights. But today is a good day to reflect on the gift that God has given you. To think about your children and be thankful to Him. The third blessing that I want to draw your attention to is that Rebecca was part of a family that knew and worshipped the Lord. Rebecca was part of a family that knew and worshipped the Lord. 
Isaac worshipped the one true and living God. He acknowledged the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He trusted the Lord. Isaac was a participant in the covenant that God had made with his father Abraham. Those promises were his. And it was perhaps the greatest blessing of Rebekah's life that she was brought into that covenant. In marrying Isaac, she now belonged to the people of God. And not only by marriage, but by faith. She too believed the Lord. In chapter 25, we see that she prayed to the Lord and he actually spoke to her. Look please at verse 22, chapter 25, verse 22. This was when she was pregnant. The text says, And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now Rebecca didn't always do the right thing. There were occasions when her faith was weak, but she had a relationship with the Lord. She was part of a family that honoured the Lord, and the promises of God were hers. What a wonderful thing that was. And the same is true for all who belong to a family where God is honoured. Our focus is especially on mothers today. And so let me say that if you have a husband who knows and loves the Lord, what a gift. If he is trying to follow Christ and to love you and your children as Christ calls him to, that's priceless. If yours is a Christian home, take some time today to ponder the providence of God. The goodness of God, the grace of God that has brought you into that home, into the family that you are part of. Rebecca's blessing is your blessing. Praise God. Now there were other blessings that Rebecca experienced, but we need to move on to the second part of the sermon. Three blessings now, two mistakes. Two mistakes. The first mistake I want us to think about is described in chapter 25 verse 28. It was playing favourites with her children. Playing favourites with her children. Reading from verse 27, it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When it says that Jacob was a plain man, it means that he was quiet or gentle. Uh, The word can also mean to be pious or to be morally upright. I think we can understand why Rebecca was drawn to Jacob. He was probably more likeable, more compliant, easier to get along with than his brother, and he was around more. Esau seems to have been driven by his passions and to have been rather quick-tempered. He was out hunting, out in the fields chasing cattle, while Jacob was at home in close proximity to his mother and perhaps he would help her out. Now even if Rebekah was more naturally drawn to Jacob and Isaac to Esau, what developed in their family was unhealthy and unwise and the cause of much heartache. Rebekah and Isaac played favourites. That's what the verse says. Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. 
And, as one author says, in consequence of this, the interests of the family were divided and the house set in opposition to itself. The fruits of this unreasonable and foolish attachment were afterwards seen in a long catalogue of both natural and moral evils among the descendants of both families. It was probably the case that Jacob and Esau were always going to clash. Uh, There was always going to be dissension between the two. They were fighting with each other before they were born. But they weren't helped by the behaviour of their parents, by this favouritism. It served only to divide them further, especially when Rebekah blatantly sought to advance Jacob's standing in the family at the expense of Esau. We'll get to that in a moment. The lesson for parents, and again we're focusing on mothers today, is don't play favourites. It goes very badly when parents do. The Bible is clear about the sin of partiality and that sin can be alive and well in our homes and it can do great harm. Even if one of your children is easier to get on with than the others, they're more obedient, more affectionate, or they have a personality or interests that that you're more naturally drawn to, don't favour them over the others. Don't do it. That's bad for that child and for the others and for the health and unity of your family as a whole. And I would counsel you to be very sensitive to this. Now, children can occasionally say things that aren't true and their perceptions are not always accurate. Sometimes they might say, oh, such and such is the (laughs) favourite. And it's just their selfishness or their envy speaking. But if you hear that, if you hear them say that, don't just fob it off. Take it seriously. Think about whether it's true or not and take steps to make sure it's not true. As best you're able, love each of your children equally, show the same interest in all of them, even if that takes you out of your comfort zone, especially dads, I think. (laughs) Playing favourites with her children, that was Rebecca's first mistake. The second was thinking that the end justified the means. Or to put it another way, her mistake was to take matters into her own hands. And of course, here I'm talking about her efforts in chapter 27 to deceive Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing that was due to the firstborn. She organised for Jacob to pretend that he was Esau and bring his ageing father his favourite food and we don't have time today to go over all the details. But clearly Rebecca loved Jacob and wanted the best for him. And I suspect she recognised the defects in Esau's character. She probably understood that he had done a wicked and harmful thing by marrying two pagan women. Maybe she recognised that the family would be best served by Jacob taking the leadership and not Esau. Maybe she even remembered what the Lord said to her when she was pregnant about the younger serving the elder. In other words, maybe her motives were entirely right and pure. But that did not justify trying to bring to pass what may have been a desirable outcome by wicked means, by deceiving her husband and making her son complicit in that deceit. We don't have time 
to explore this in depth today, but it seems to me that Isaac was never going to give Esau the blessing Rebekah thought he was going to give him. Isaac was never going to make Esau the head of the family, the the inheritor of the covenant promises made to Abraham. I say that for two reasons. First of all, when Isaac thought he was speaking to Esau, he gave him a blessing, but not the blessing, not the covenant blessing. The language in chapter 27, verses 28 and 29, is different to the language that God used with Abraham. And then secondly, notice what Isaac says to Jacob before sending him away. Chapter 28, verses 1 to 4, just turn over there. Chapter 28, verses 1 to 4. It says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban thy mother's brother. Now notice the language here. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land, wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. We don't know what was in Rebekah's heart and mind, but as I said, I I suspect she thought this blessing... The blessing of Abraham was going to go to Esau. And that's why she took matters into her own hands. She wanted it for Jacob because she loved Jacob and realised that Esau was not the right person to receive it. However, instead of trusting the Lord, instead of talking to her husband about the matter or, or going about this in some other righteous way, she employed deceit. She lied. And it ended up splitting the family. To protect Jacob from Esau's murderous rage, she had to arrange to send him away. And we don't know this for sure, but perhaps she never saw Jacob again. He was gone for 20 years. What's the lesson for us? (laughs) What's the lesson for mothers? It's pretty straightforward. You love your children... You want to protect them, you want to bless them, you want to advance them as you should, but in pursuing those good things for them, don't ever diverge from what God says is good and right. Don't ever depart from the wisdom of God. Don't take matters into your own hands like Rebecca did. Do right, always. Even when it's difficult, even when it's a bit scary even when you don't know what's going to happen. I wonder if part of what drove Rebecca was fear. Fear of Jacob missing out. Fear of Jacob suffering in some way if the blessing went to Esau. Fear for the family. And that's why she did the wrong thing. Sometimes fear is what drives mothers and fathers too to make poor decisions. To depart from the wisdom of God, to be overly protective or overly permissive, and our children are the losers. Let's not be afraid. Let's trust the Lord and raise our children in the manner that he has prescribed. And so that's Rebecca's two mistakes. She played favourites with her children and she took matters into her own hands. But we're not finished yet. 
We come now to the third part of our Mother's Day sermon. Three blessings, two mistakes, now finally three struggles. Three struggles. It can't have been easy for Rebecca to leave her home and travel many hundreds of kilometres to begin a new life with a man she'd never met. (laughs) I'm sure there were aspects of that she struggled with a lot. But after she married, the first thing that must have been very difficult for her was a prolonged period of infertility. A prolonged period of infertility. We usually think of Sarah's struggle with infertility, but Rebecca had to deal with this as well. She was married to Isaac for 20 years before Jacob and Esau were born. It's not a nice word, but in chapter 25, verse 21, we're told that Rebecca was barren. And she eventually became pregnant in answer to Isaac's prayers. I wonder if during those years, Rebecca was afraid that Isaac might take another wife or have a relationship with one of the servants in order to have a child. In ancient Near Eastern societies, a woman's worth was very much tied to her ability to produce children. I wonder if Rebecca struggled with this, with feeling worthless, with feeling hopeless. I wonder if there were seasons of deep, deep despair. That's really the opposite of what gets discussed on Mother's Day, but for some women this is their struggle. They feel many of the things Rebecca must have felt. Uh, Perhaps they're married but unable to have children or they'd like to be married and have children but that hasn't happened yet and they want to honour the Lord by keeping themselves for their husband if marriage is in the plan of God for them. I have no counsel to give other than what we read in the scriptures. Uh, Our Lord Jesus didn't have children. Uh, Jesus wasn't married. Uh, Jesus didn't experience romantic or sexual love and yet there was nothing lacking in his humanity whatsoever. Uh, Jesus was a whole person. He experienced satisfaction and joy to the fullest extent. Whether we struggle with infertility or we don't, the truth is that our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. You can have lots of kids and be totally miserable and dissatisfied with life. Or you can have no kids and have a fullness of joy and be deeply satisfied. The difference is the Lord, whether one is walking with him. Number one, Rebecca struggled with infertility. And then number two, she had to deal with children who didn't get along. And perhaps this sermon suddenly got real for some of the mothers in the room today. She had to deal with children who didn't get along. I've already noted that Jacob and Esau were fighting with each other before they were born. Uh, Chapter 25 verse 22 says that the children struggled together within her. Now we have to read between the lines a bit, but I tend to think these two boys struggled and fought with each other outside of the womb as well. In chapter 25 we read that Jacob had done some cooking... And Esau had come in from the field and he was hungry and he asked his brother for something to eat. And instead of being kind, Jacob took the opportunity to get one over his brother. Chapter 25 verse 31. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? 
And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now I'm not going to get into the significance of this interaction. All I want to do is tender it as evidence that these two brothers didn't have a great relationship. Why didn't Jacob just give Esau something to eat, right? I mean, that's what a good brother would do. Why this desire to take something from Esau? Something as precious as his birthright. Later on, we know that Esau wanted to kill Jacob and Jacob had to flee. The two did not see each other for 20 years. Eventually they were reconciled, but we don't know if Rebecca lived to see that day. I personally don't think she did. Rebecca had to be mother to two boys and then two men who didn't get along. (laughs) And that must have been difficult. The unending competition... The squabbling, the the fighting. Uh, You imagine that Esau had it over Jacob physically, but Jacob was the clever one, and he would find other ways to get at his brother. Maybe you know what this is like. All kids have their moments, but you have a couple of kids that are constantly at each other. And it's hard. Uh, There's a lot of squabbling, a lot of bad behaviour to deal with. Again, I have no counsel other than what the Bible says. And that is that God has grace enough for you to be able to cope with that situation and be a good mother, to be patient and wise and fair. Look to the Lord. Pray. Ask for his help. Ask for help from other parents who've had to deal with the same thing. And persevere in doing right. Rebecca had to struggle with infertility, then with children who didn't get along with each other, and then thirdly and finally, she had to deal with a wayward child. We might even use the word rebellious. In chapter 26, verse 34, we're told that Esau married two women. Both were Hittites. Uh, The Hittites were one of the Canaanite tribes that inhabited the land where Abraham and his family had settled. Uh, Look, if you would, at the verse and then the one that follows, chapter 26, verses 34 and 35. It says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Maybe some of you know exactly how Isaac and Rebecca felt. Your son or daughter got into a relationship with the wrong person. Someone who you had deep concerns about, who who ended up taking them away from the Lord or treating them badly. Perhaps you've experienced this same heaviness, this grief that Isaac and Rebecca experienced. This must be one of the hardest things for a parent to, to see their children go astray in this, in this way, to, to make unwise choices in relationships or to be sexually immoral. It's not that Isaac and Rebecca didn't like these women. I don't think it was a personality clash. It was that Esau had deliberately violated the command that Abraham had given. 
If you go back to chapter 24, you see Abraham making it clear that his son Isaac was not to take a wife from among the daughters of the Canaanites. This was probably because he knew how wicked the Canaanites were. He knew they didn't worship the one true and living God. They would bring their pagan ways into the home and would take Isaac's heart away from the Lord. It's interesting that Isaac said the same thing to Jacob before he left home. Chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, if you want to look there. It says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. I am sure that Esau knew what his grandfather Abraham had said. I am sure he knew the story of how his mother and father came together. I can imagine Rebecca telling that story to her boys. I'm sure he knew what was expected of him. That he was not to marry a woman from among the Canaanites, but he did. He married two of them. And interestingly, in the book of Hebrews, Esau is called a fornicator, a sexually immoral person. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, if for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Rebekah was mother to a prodigal son. Esau was wayward. Esau was rebellious. Esau rejected the ethical teaching of his parents and it was deeply upsetting. Now, I don't like to end on such a sombre note, but nothing is gained by pretending this doesn't happen today to mothers and to fathers who love the Lord. It does. And it's really hard. It's a struggle. There is much heartache over that child that has walked away from the faith. And there's no easy answer. There's no instant solution. I would simply offer three words of comfort. And with these old clothes. Number one... Prodigal sons and prodigal daughters can come home. Prodigal sons and prodigal daughters can come home. Keep praying for that child, keep loving them, keep your door open to them always. God's grace is more powerful than we can ever imagine. Number two, there is no profit in continually going over what you as a parent did or didn't do. And there is no profit in continually going over what you as a parent did or didn't do. If you need to make some things right with your child, if you need to apologise, do it, and then leave it with the Lord. Hand over to him your worry and anxiety, knowing that he is good. And finally, number three, you won't always feel the way you do now. You won't always feel the way you do now. Whether that child returns to the faith or doesn't, one day the Lord Jesus will make you whole. He will wipe away all tears from your eyes. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying over anything. I can't claim to understand how the Lord will address this kind of pain and sorrow, but he will, perfectly and forever. And so that's the story of Rebecca. I think it's very relatable and I hope it's been an encouragement to you. May God bless our mothers and may God bless you all. Amen.